0: Good morning, Pillar family. My name is uh, JD. Uh, I am one of the pastors here. So grateful uh, that you are here on this special Sunday as we uh, celebrate 10 years as a church. Uh, Sometimes it is hard to put a decade into perspective. I think Brian did a pretty good job of that as showing us one of his children who was knee-high Uh, to now shoulder height uh, for him. But in some situations, a decade seems to go by uh, in the blink of an eye, right? But in other situations, a decade can seem uh, like an eternity, like a a long time away. In the world of church planting, a, a decade is a significant marker for the life of the church, Which is why the leadership desires to celebrate uh, God's faithfulness and steadfast love to us over these last ten years. In the world of church planting, statistically speaking, most church plants never make it to the five-year mark. There are some studies that show as many as the percentage as high as 80% of churches planted don't actually make it past five years. That's a high number, and there are many facets to why that number is there that I won't get into this morning, but we want to acknowledge and celebrate that God has been faithful to us to allow us to tarry for 10 years. And so I want to pray for us, and I want us to think about uh, these last, I want us to remember these last 10 years while also helping us to focus our vision On the next 10 years, the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years, Lord willing, that are to come. But let me first pray and thank the Lord for his kindness and goodness to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to stand behind this podium. And to stand before your church, your bride, your body of believers. These people who have gathered together. Lord, to hear from your word. Lord, I pray that that what they would hear would be a remembering of what it is that you have done over these last ten years they would hear of your faithfulness to us. They would hear of your love and your kindness to us that is found in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. But Lord, not only would they be hearers of your word, but Lord, that all of us in this room would be doers as well, that we would seek to glorify and to honor you as we move forward in this church. That we would not neglect our responsibility to build up this congregation in the most holy faith. That it's not just the elder's responsibility, not just the the paid pastor's responsibility, but Lord, it is the responsibility of all of our members, all the members of this church that we would be maturing in the faith, And that we would be building one another up and encouraging one another as the day draws near. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you for just the opportunity that we have just to even gather in this place. So Lord, I pray that we celebrate with joy and thanksgiving. Being mindful that it is all from your gracious hand. So Lord, I pray for your spirit to work in this place. For your spirit to sanctify the saints in this room. To mature us, to grow us. But Lord, I also pray that your spirit would open dead and darkened hearts. Blinded eyes and deafened ears. To receive the gospel this morning as you have done over and over and over again the life of this church. Would you do that this morning? It's in Jesus' name we humbly pray. Amen. let me start with this question. How do you want to be remembered? What kind of legacy do you want to leave your family and friends? Our church is... Part of a family of churches called the Praetorian Project. The Praetorian Project is a family of multiplying churches in military communities worldwide. About two months ago, the person who planted the First Pillar Church outside the gates of Quantico and the visionary of the Praetorian Project, Clint Clifton, died tragically in a plane crash. It was sudden, it was heartbreaking for so many especially those of us that were really close with him. Some 1,500 people gathered and watched online to remember and celebrate Clint's life. There was much to celebrate about Clint. He was a great husband. He was an amazing father. He was a faithful pastor. And he was an amazing church planter. He was good with his money and his investments. On and on I could go. Everything that was great about Clint's life was because of his love for Christ and his church. You see, Clint was tenacious when it came to honoring the Lord with his life. He had a zeal for the church that was infectious. Just being around him made you want to give your life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how it, he was remembered at his memorial service. As 1,500 people gathered, it wasn't uh, the fact that he was an amazing father, although he was, or an amazing uh, husband, although he was. It was his zeal for the ministry. It was his zeal for church planting. It was his zeal for the Gospel. And as I, as I sat under that, I, w- I want to be remembered in that way. I want to leave this kind of legacy for my family and my friends and for my church. I want to have a zeal and a fervor towards holiness and godliness while also exhibiting, exhibiting this tenacity in helping the church fulfill its mission. You see, for the Christian, the Bible presents these two facets of life as inseparable. Your holiness, your your blamelessness, your, your um, working towards righteousness is inseparable with the fact that you are here to build up the body of believers in the church. They go hand in hand. So the question is, how do I do that? How do we do that? We must ask ourselves. Let's turn to First Thessalonians 1 this morning. Our our normal diet as a church is to go through books of the Bible. Uh, This, uh, over the last few weeks, we've done a few standalone sermons uh, in hopes that uh, we want to take some time to focus on some specific topics that will help us as a church as we focus on some key areas of ministry. So in the coming weeks, we will begin the book of Mark, walking through the book of Mark together. So I just want to encourage you to... To begin to read through the book of Mark. Brian uh, told us last week that he thinks it's about an hour or two. I looked it up, it's about, it's about 88 minutes you can read the book of Mark uh, in one city. And so take some time, just take take 10 minutes a day over eight days or nine days and read through the book of Mark and do that a few times before we, we get together. I believe it will be a help to you. First Thessalonians 1, I'm going to read for us now 1 through 3, but I'll be Uh, bringing out some things in in this chapter and also some other chapters that will help us as we think about uh, and remember what it is that God has done and God's faithfulness to us, but also as we look forward to what it is that God would do in the coming years, Lord willing. Start in verse 1, 1 Thessalonians 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy... the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ grace to you and peace we give thanks to God always for all of you constantly mentioning you in our prayers remembering before our God and Father your work of faith labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ let me pray for us again Lord these are your words I pray that they would penetrate our hearts as we hear them, as we walk through this text together. I pray that the words that come from my mouth would be the words that you have given to me to speak to this church this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you think about this, I want us to kind of think about this in the perspective of 1 Thessalonians and us as a church. That pillar would be exemplary in its faith, love and hope in Jesus as examples to all believers. Pillar would be exemplary in its faith, love and hope in Jesus as examples to all believers. So as Paul writes this to the church in Thessalonica, you can't help but feel the affection, the, the personal nature that this letter has. All, all epistles, all letters that Paul writes, or even Peter, or any of those that write these letters, they have an affection. They have a personal nature to them. Even though Paul was in Thessalonica for a very short time, he, there was an affection that he built with the believers there as he began the church. As he starts in verse 2, or at the end of verse 1, grace to you and peace, verse 2, we give thanks to God always for you. For all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. There is a, a personal aspect to Paul that he wants to, that we know from later on in the letter that he wants to come to them and visit them, but has been restrained from being able to do so. But that's his desire, is that he loves this church. He has an affection for this church. And it's personal. But there's something about this church that stands out to him. If you look in verse 3, it's we remember, we constantly mention you in our prayers because we remember before God your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope. And so what about there, we're going to look at the three aspects of this for our own particular church. We're going to look at uh, our work of faith as a church here. We're going to look at our labor of love that we have sought to display here at Pillar Jacks. Man, we're going we're to talk a little bit about the steadfastness of hope that is found in our Lord Jesus Christ. As you think about their work of faith, faith here in Thessalonica, what did it produce? What did their faith produce? Look with me in verse 6. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the Word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, even though there was much turmoil surrounding the church, even though there was persecution for the believers in the church, and there was affliction that was coming from Gentiles and Jews to the church, they received with full conviction in the power of the Holy Spirit the Gospel. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake? and you became imitators of of us. Verse 7, so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. But not only there, not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, look what their faith did. Their faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. It was the church's display of the gospel that was sounding forth the gospel that was going forth everywhere in the known world because of their faith in Christ Jesus. They were an example to believers everywhere in the known world. Don't you want to be a part of something like that? Wouldn't you have loved to be a part of this church that was doing this? To make your life goals revolve around the church and her mission for Christ? When it says that that, that the word of the Lord had sounded forth, I don't know if you've ever ever seen the gong show from way back in the 60s? Did you ever see that? Some of the older ones may be in here. Some of the younger ones, you don't even know what I'm talking about. But what they would do is almost like American Idol before American Idol, or um, what's the other one, Uh, America's Got Talent? It was almost like that, except they had this huge gong. And what they would do is somebody came up and they started singing. Well, guess what? If they didn't sing well, it wasn't a red buzzer that they pressed. It was this huge gong. And some guy would get up there and he would he would take a thing and as they were singing, he would just pound the gong and that gong would reverberate throughout and they knew, I'm done. I just got outed. But if they went through it and they never heard the gong, they made it to the next level. But that 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 sounded forth, that Greek word means like a, like a gong, reverberating throughout, throughout the world. That was what was happening with the gospel through the church in Thessalonica. There was a sounding forth, there was a reverberation of the gospel of Jesus Christ that was going to all the nations. To where they were in Macedonia and Achaia, but not only to there, but to Everywhere. That is the kind of work of faith that that I desire for us and that I pray you desire for us as a church. That we would be sounding forth the gospel in all places for all times. Leaving a legacy for all peoples that would follow us. So I want to go through a few ways that we have seen God God's faithfulness to us as a church. I'm just going to kind of list them out. Uh, the first one that I, I, I see where God has just really been faithful to us is this in the realm of church planting. In the realm of, of planting new churches. Of taking the, the great commission of, of, of making disciples. Right? And baptizing them and, and teaching them to observe all that... Christ has commanded. We believe that this is a call to plant new churches. There is no other vessel, no other entity in this world where that has been given except to the local church. Not any parachurch ministries. As much as we love parachurch ministries, God gave the commission to the church, to His disciples. How do we know this? Because when we get to the book of Acts, what do we see them start to do? We see them start to gather people and put them into local entities called the church. The church is spread. So we want to be a part of that. And over the last 10 years, we have planted uh, Pillar Church of Oceanside in its very first year, in the first 10 months of the life of the church. We planted one of, our, one of our elders that were here. I was not here but one of the elders that was here was, was sent out to plant Pillar Church of Oceanside. A few years later we planted a church in Hawaii called Pillar Church of Kanahoe or Pillar Kanahoe. Then a few years later we planted and sent out from here several of our families to go and plant Pillar Church of Topso, including two of our elders. You know what kind of what that takes to to be able to send out two of your best along with other families. Hey, take what you need to be able to go. We just want to have have that kind of faith where we want to send those guys out. And here's the amazing thing that happened for those of you that probably were not here, which is most of you. The very next Sunday after sending out eight families in our church, our numbers were the exact same the next Sunday. It's a testament to God's faithfulness. It's a testament to, to God telling us and letting us know that it's going to be okay. You just keep doing the work that I've called you to. You keep doing the work that, that, uh, that I've, I've given to you, the commission that I've given to the church. And by God's grace, here in a couple of weeks, we are going to commission Pillar Church of Havlock. And we're going to do it again. We're going to send out two of our elders and we're going to send families who have already moved there and we're going to, Lord willing, free up some space for the church to be able to continue to grow. The cause of God's faithfulness, what He's called us to. and By God's grace, he is, he is raising up leaders in our midst. I'm going to get to more of that in a second. He is calling people from their vocation just as He did Joshua, just as He did Scott, calling people from their vocation to go and desire and called into and aspire to ministry. And to go and faithfully do the work and pastor churches. And that we would continue to plant uh, and that we, we continue to be faithful in this and sending them out and loving them well and be a really good sending church. So not only have we planted these churches and looking to plant Havelock as well, but we have also, we are grandparent churches to two different churches. Pillar Church of Okinaw was planted by Pillar Church of Oceanside, and Pillar Church of San Diego was planted by Pillar Church of Oceanside. So we're grandparents to those churches. We are seeing a legacy of churches being planted from what we have sought to do here, even from the beginning. We have supported uh, both of these churches, uh, Pillar Oki and Pillar San Diego, uh, with monies from our budget to help them get started. But we have also supported other works, like the one in Iceland called Lafsafon Baptist Church, which means the upper room, where there's a church planted in Iceland because of some of the work that we're trying to do there, some of the monies that we were able to send so they can do that ministry to be a part of that. We have given money to Pillar 29 Palms, to Pillar DC. All these ways just supporting with our budget here to see the gospel spread to all nations in all and all contexts. You get to be a part of it. I hope you see that. I hope you understand that you get to be a part with your time and with your talents and with your treasures. You are, you are helping us to build Uh, foundation that is built on the gospel of Jesus Christ and churches that are built with him as a cornerstone don't miss this in our in our thinking and remembering what God has done in our works of faith the other things that God has helped us to do is think about his missions that we support workers in the UAE who are working with at least with the least evangelized, unreached people groups in the world. Or unreached people group in the world. So we support workers who are on the ground, who are reaching these people in the least people that the gospel has gone to. That we would be a part of the missions. That we would have opportunities, Lord willing, in the future to go there. To be on the ground and to be able to support the work that is happening in the UAE amongst this unreached people groups So a group called the Pearls. Another aspect of our church that I want to think about in the work of faith is raising up leaders. We want to raise up leaders in this church. Over the last 10 years, this church has had 15 different elders. 15 different Elders. Guys who have met the character qualifications of 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, and 1 Peter. Guys who have been raised up in this church. If you look around, we're not a very old congregation age-wise. We're pretty young. We've we've called out men to, 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 to live out these characteristics. To walk in this way. We have... Developed a leadership cohort that seeks to raise up men to lead from the front in our church and, Lord willing, become future elders and deacons in our church. Through Word Partners, an organization that is training, um, is a training mechanism for God's life giving word to have its transforming effect. Word Partners is developing a a team of global partners who encourage and equip pastors to teach God's Word with God's heart. And we partner alongside with Word Partners to uh, to have these workshops that go over a period of four years that that raise up new pastors and, and, and lay leaders who can preach the Word. And it's through a series of highly relational, interactive and transferable workshops that we invest in small group of pastors twice a year over four years. Many of you have asked me, like, how was your trip to Egypt? How did that go? And I want to tell you that God is doing something all over the world. And to be a part, that, like, yes, I got to go and I got to visit the pyramids, right? They made sure I, I was able to do that. I got to go and I got to see the Sphinx. I got to go and I got to see mummies that were uh, some three thousand years old. All right, I got to do all of that. People asked me what was the favorite part. Of, what was the most favorite part of your trip? It Wasn't any of that. Cool to see the pyramids. Cool to see the Sphinx. I get it was cool to do a little bit of sightseeing. Man, it was gathered together in a room with twenty-five to thirty pastors who were from Egypt. Many of them from different denominations, from Assemblies of God, from Baptist denomination, from Presbyterian, the Methodist, all gather together. Why? To learn how to preach the Word of God faithfully. Man, that's what I saw. I saw transformation over over a three day period. I saw transformation of these guys learning and knowing what it meant. As we walk through the book of Genesis to see it unfold, even as their eyes were enlightened about what God was doing in the book of Genesis that set the foundation for the rest of the scriptures. You could see it, even though I didn't speak their language, I could see the light bulbs going off. I could see their passion for the word unfolding. That is what I remember about when I go to Egypt, when I went to Egypt is partnering with Word partners to help train these guys in these workshops. To equip them to be transformed by the Word and in so doing that they would seek to preach the Word faithfully that that their churches would be transformed by the power of the Gospel. So we seek and we want to remember that God is faithful in these things. Even allow me to go to Egypt. I just thank you as a congregation for allowing me to do that. One of the reasons why we raise up other leaders here that could preach so that that it's not based, our church is not based on one pastor, that it's spread out over 15 different elders over 10 years. So it's not on one person, but it's on a plurality of brothers who are seeking to lead and to guide and to shepherd this church. Not only shepherd this church, but Lord willing to believers everywhere. By, by God's grace, you continue to allow us to do that. And you continue to give of your time and your talents and, and your treasures to help us to be able to do that. And then there's one other thing that we've done. There's probably more. These are the ones I was able to think of. But uh, we are part of a, a larger association just here in Jacksonville called the New River Baptist Association. We partner with 30 other churches. We are connected with 30 other Southern Baptist churches here in this area so that we can connect in order that the gospel would go forth, not only here in Jacksonville, but throughout all the world. And So that's what we do. We want to connect. And, and just recently, uh, a, a big momentous occasion happened inside of the NRBA. We, 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 we voted as, a, uh, as an association uh, to divest of a building that we own over on Commerce Drive, that building is worth somewhere around $3 million. And we've, 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 we have voted to divest of that property, to sell that property, and take those monies from that property, because the building really goes unused for the most part, except for a couple times a month. And that we would take that money and begin and put it into church planting, into church revitalization, into strengthening other churches. And it was an opportunity that Brian and I, Pastor Brian and I, had to to lead from the front in some of this. That we were a part of uh, committees and teams that, that we lead to help other pastors and the churches see the need for doing this. We weren't the only ones, but we were certainly a part of the process. And so, by God's grace, that is happening now. And so, we want to. We want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of connecting churches to plant other churches, to revitalize dying churches, and to strengthen other churches. And we would continue to do this. And we would continue to see this as a work of faith that God has done over the last 10 years and will continue to do in the future. The question for me is, to you, do you want to be a part of that? Do you want to be a part of what God is doing in our midst? Do you want to be involved in the ministries of the church with your life, with the mis- that the mission of the church would continue? Are these works of faith that happen because of, because of you in this church? If you're a member of this church, you represent this church? Pastor Brian has said it so many times before. People ride by and they'll say, hey, there's Pillar Church. But it's not true. This is just a building. This is just a building. The church is sitting in the rows and the seats where you are. You are the representatives of this church. You are the example to all believers everywhere, whether you know it or not, whether you even desire that or not. But I pray after today that you would desire the second thing that we see, uh, work of faith is the first thing we see there in, 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 chapter th- in verse 3 of chapter 1. The second thing we see is that there is a labor of love. Look with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. It says this, Paul says this to the church. Now concerning brotherly love. You have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. To love one another more and more. Romans 13, uh, verses 8 and 10 says this, O no one anything except to love each other, How do we exercise a labor of love? It first must start with loving one another in this church. That you would look to the person to your right and left. And that you would love them, even in the short time that you're here. That you would grow in affection. That you would grow in your love and adoration toward those who are members with you in the same body that you would seek to to love the person because love does no wrong to a neighbor. The beautiful thing about this church over the last 10 years that I can think about as a labor of love is its unity. Even in some of the most trying and difficult times, we have been unified around the gospel and there has been a true labor of love in this church. And it's because that we have taken our eyes off of ourselves, and we have focused on the good of the gospel to others. And there's a unity in this. There's a beauty in this. It doesn't. It's not. It's not. Uh, it hasn't been perfect, but it has been a substantial labor of love for us. So we want to be like this church. We want to love one another. And we want to urge you to do it more and more to love one another more and more and more. Not only to love one another in this church, but to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, who is my neighbor? Just look around. When you're at home, walk outside. There's your neighbors. When you're in Walmart or Target shopping, look around. Those are your neighbors. And the, the encouragement is that you would love them. It's not an encouragement, it's a command. You would love them as yourself. Do you do that? Do you love them as yourself? Some of the ways that we've sought to, uh, to, to love and have a labor of love uh, is certainly in the unity of this church and the generosity of this church. But other things that we do is called uh, our Redeeming Love Ministry, which is our foster care, adoption, respite care, and ad litem ministries that we have sought to uh, be a place where we would push back and, 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 and uh, uh, the foster in, push into the foster care system here in Onslow County and Craven County for some of those who are going to Havelock. So over the course of the last 10 years, we have had 13 foster placements. Five of those have led to finished adoptions, with more in process now. That's not even including the many. There have been many who have left us, gotten out of the military, and gone to their permanent places, and they have adopted multiple children. That has happened over and over again. And it's because we seek to be that labor of love. We seek to be a church that is a redeeming ministry towards those who are in foster care. Towards those who are in need of adoption. Why? Because the... The Bible tells us to, right? The Bible just calls us to do this. We just want to be obedient to what God has called us to do. If you need, if you just need a sermon, or if you just need, like if you weren't here last Sunday, I just encourage you, if you weren't here, just go back and listen to last Sunday's message. I don't have to get into this, because Scott preached a sermon that if if your heart wasn't, wasn't prompted to do something, uh, then you might want to check yourself. Because there was a, there was an onus and a desire for us to jump into that, into this redeeming love ministry. We also want to serve our local community. Even just close by, we get a chance and opportunity to serve at Meadow Oaks. We've gone over there and sung Christmas carols, and we've taken our youth over to play games with some of the older saint, older. Uh, people who are over there—it's kind of a, a, a semi-retirement community—and so we've been able to do that. We want to, uh, and so we just—we want to be a part of that. But we also want to be a part of uh, labors of love in our, just in our family gatherings, just in our homes. Like I just want to encourage you to be a place that your home would be a place for hospitality. That your home would be a place that your neighbors look at and go, "I want to, I want to go over and hang out with." with those people. You would invite them into your homes. Your home would be a place that, would, uh, that people would come in and see the labor of love. I remember uh, Jared and Allison Hefley, who were, uh, Jared was an elder here, and they left last summer. So if you can get a chance to meet them, you missed out. But uh, I remember going over for dinner at their house, and uh, we were gathered around the table, and we were eating dinner. And I think this is not just my story. This is actually a story of several who have gone over to their house. But what he did was, that as we got through and wrapped up dinner, uh, we didn't just get up from the table and go into the living room uh, and sit and talk and you know hash, hash out all the problems of the world. What he did was, he said, hey, like, we just take some time after dinner um, uh, to lead our, uh, our kids in family worship. Do you mind if we do that? Like, what am I going to say, no? You know? Uh, no we don't want to be a part of that we're just going to leave now you know no he invited us into that and it was it was just amazing to see that he just took the time and here's what he had just just for you uh, just for you families and fathers who have really young kids. Reagan his daughter was at the time one and a half I think one and a half or two at the most and James was an infant had no idea what we were doing and he did it anyway. Why? Because he wanted to set the precipice for future family gatherings that would edify and glorify the Lord, that the table was a place where they would worship and they would take the time to to glorify and honor the Lord. Right? That is what he wanted to do and that is what he did. And he invited us into it. And that's not just me. Other members who who are here as well and got to be a part of that. Um, And so just know that that's a labor of love. To open up your home, to get uncomfortable with, with having strangers in your house, actually is a labor of love. The third thing that we see is a steadfastness of hope. Steadfastness of hope. Look at verse 9 in chapter 1. So the gospel went forth everywhere. Look what it did to the hearts of the people. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Brothers and sisters, if you're here, And you have not turned from your idolatry. You have not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And you have not trusted Him to deliver you from the wrath that is to come. I just want to encourage you that the steadfastness of hope is not found in anything in this world. But it is found in Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. That today is a day of salvation that you can put your faith and your trust and your steadfastness of hope in Him this morning. Over the course of the life of this church, we have had 39 baptisms. Mostly all adults. Now that is not true of baptism numbers across our landscape in North America. Most of them are, most baptisms that happen in North America are baptisms of young children. But our baptisms have been of the those who are older, some teenagers, but some that are usually young, younger in their 20s and 30s. And here in a few weeks, Lord willing, we'll have more baptisms. That we would continue over and over and over again to sound forth the gospel. That our faith in Christ Jesus would go forth everywhere. But also to this place. To this city that we live in. That we would see God faithfully open hearts and eyes and ears that we would be seeing more and more baptisms because of our work of faith. Because of our labor of love. Trusting in the steadfast hope that is found in Christ Jesus. Not in you, Not in me, but Christ, our cornerstone, our rock. It is Him who brings about change that opens the eyes and the ears and the hearts of those who are dying. So may we be a church that fully, fully would help, would receive the Word, Whether it's in affliction, whether it's in hope, whether it's in comfort, you would take that hope and you would sound it forth to wherever you are, to your neighbors, to your co workers, to your family, to your friends, that they may turn to God from idols and serve the living, true. We want to continue in these things. We want to continue to be a church that exercises its work of faith, that is known for its labor of love, that relies and rests in the steadfastness of hope found in Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you that there are some things that will hinder us from continuing these endeavors. There are two things that I think about when I think about this. And I think they're two sides of the same coin. One is indifference. One is indifference. The other is apathy. If there is two things that will destroy this church, it will be your indifference and it will be your apathy. Or it will be my indifference and my apathy. just want us to go to 1 Thessalonians 5. So indifference and apathy are having no interest. They are being unconcerned. Is that you this morning? Are you unconcerned with where we are as a church? Are you just content to show up on Sunday mornings and just, hey, I'm here, I showed up, I checked off my mark, showed up two Sundays out of four this, sun, this, year, this month. That's better than last month when I only showed up one time out of four. What will kill and destroy this church is your indifference and apathy towards the things of the gospel. Because here's what will happen. Let me, just, let me just try to be real with you. Many of you, I understand that many of you are here for a short time. There are some in this room who are only here for another couple of months. There are some in this room who are only here for another year. There are some in this room they are only here for two weeks, but y'all are going to have luck and y'all need to contribute. Right? I get that. But for many of you, you're going to other places. You're going to, you're going to other duty stations or you're getting out of the military altogether. And what you will do is you will convince yourself, I've only got six months, I've only got a year, I've only got two years. How much do I really want to invest my life in this church? That's indifference. That's being unconcerned. The other one, other side of that is just apathy. I just don't care. I just want to be passive. Just let me be. Just let me do my thing. You do your thing up there on stage. I'll do my thing out here. And we'll just all get along and be fine. That's not what God has called us to do. He has called us to be more than that. He has called us to, to be a part of Him. His church, no matter how long you're here. and Listen to me, church. I want you to know that there have been, in the life of this church, already hundreds that have come before you and left. And Lord willing, there will be hundreds to thousands after you leave. But there are many who came before you that are the reason why you're still here, we're still here, and you're here this morning. Because they invested. They invested their time. They invested their talents and their treasures. They gave of their energy and efforts to see this church thrive. I just want to encourage you that as we think about the next 10 to 20 to 30 years, And it could be part of your investment that we get to do that. That we get to be a part of that. That we get to be a part of planting more churches. We get to see a movement of God. Not only here in Jacksonville, but everywhere, to all corners of the earth. So if this is where you are currently, and you don't know how to get involved in the mission, let me encourage you just to start here. that you would follow, that you would get behind the leaders of this church. That you would, you would get behind, you would become imitators. Look at verse look at verse uh, 5, the second half of verse 5. It says this, You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord For you receive the Word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. I I know that I'm not perfect. I know that there are many flaws that I have. But Lord willing, as I consider my fervor, as I consider the... tenacity in which I want to pursue the gospel and that I want to plant more churches, that I want to grow in holiness and blamelessness, that you would see what kind of men the elders have proven to be over the course of time. And that you, in so doing, would become imitators, that you would become imitators of us. And I know we're not perfect, but we have a passion to see the church thrive. Not only here in Jacksonville, but to the utter ends of the world. Let me end with this 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 6. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. For since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and, have, and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. <laughs> he just reiterated the very things that he talked about in chapter 1. <clears throat> for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with Him. To do what? Therefore, encourage one another. Build one another up just as you are doing. Guys, the warning is clear. When He talks about being sober here and not sleeping, He means be ready. You need to live lives ready. For Christ's second coming. As we wait for him to return. But while we wait. He does not call us to be indifferent. He does not call us towards apathy or laziness. He does not call us to passivity. No, he calls us to his mission. His mission is to be about the church. To be about its building one another up in the most holy faith. Encouraging one another as the day draws near. And Lord willing, in the next 10, 20, and 30 years, 100 years, we will be continuing to do that over and over and over again. You pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you again for your faithfulness. But Lord, help us to not rest there. Help us to trust in you with our very lives, with the church that you have allowed us to be a part of. Would you continue to do a work here in this place, in this city, that, Lord, can impact not just here in our Jerusalem, but also our Judea, our Samaria, and ultimately to the ends of the earth. That is our desire and that is our hope. The gospel would go forth. Not for the good of just pillar jacks, but Lord, for the good of your glory in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we humbly pray.